Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, May 17th, and today we are discussing Ledger, 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 Ledger. Before we get into that, a quick note. The Breakdown is, of course, now The Breakdown Network, and one of the shows that we have launched is Bitcoin Builders. It's a show all about the creative and entrepreneurial energy swirling around Bitcoin, and I am excited to share a new episode today with Corey Clipston from Swan. We go a little deeper into the Swan story and how Corey decided to build and what he decided to build. So if you are interested in that, check out the Bitcoin Builders podcast and then come join the discussion on the Breakers Discord. You can, as always, find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdown pod. As for today, for the last 24 hours, all anyone has been talking about is Ledger. It's a story that hits from so many angles. It's a story of technical challenges and trade-offs in crypto UX. It's a story of, let's call them challenges, of corporate communications and marketing. And it's a story about the fundamental principles of self-sovereignty that underlie the industry. So let's try to parse through it, shall we? On Tuesday, Ledger announced a social recovery feature called Ledger Recover for their popular line of hardware wallets. Now, this feature sent crypto Twitter into a frenzy, as we will see. Security experts warned that this feature was unsafe in its fundamental design and potentially revealed previously unknown security design flaws for all Ledger users. So first, let's do a quick definitional explanation of what social recovery actually means. Social recovery is a design feature that's common in lots of crypto storage setups. It's offered by a range of companies in the industry. Now, there are a multitude of different security designs for this feature. One low-tech version, for example, would be splitting your seed phrase into multiple sections and handing single parts to a group of trusted friends and family members. This would allow you to recover the entire seed phrase if you ever needed to. More complex implementations use multi-sig wallets and trust a group of different people or companies with the individual keys to the multi-sig. This setup allows a group of these trusted key custodians to collaborate and recover your wallet, even if you've lost the keys. Now, importantly, all social recovery setups carry some amount of trust and risk alongside. Primarily, you're trusting that your social recovery delegates won't collaborate without your instruction to recover the wallet and steal your crypto. With growing crypto adoption, many believe that social recovery is a potentially important way to allow less technical users who don't trust themselves to store a seed phrase to access non-custodial crypto storage solutions. And by the way, this idea of them not trusting themselves is a common thing for crypto newbies to feel. It's certainly one of the biggest things that I've heard from older relatives and friends who are considering getting into Bitcoin. This sort of social recovery also has important use cases for estate management, allowing heirs to recover your wallet with the help of trusted partners after someone passes away. The point of all this is to say at the outset that while there is plenty of acrimony going around, it's worth remembering that the reason a company could be interested in providing this type of service isn't insane. So to Ledger, what they introduced on Tuesday is a variation on social recovery. Once the feature is live, users will be able to instruct their device to create a backup of their private key using the onboard encryption. This backup is then fragmented into three shards, each encrypted separately, with one shard sent to three different companies, Ledger, crypto insurance firm CoinCover, and software audit firm Escrow Tech. Alongside the backup process, users would share personal information with identity verification firm Onfido. 
This identity information can then be used to trigger the recovery process at a later date, allowing a user to recover their wallet even if they've forgotten their seed phrase. The entire encryption and recovery process is run internally on the Ledger hardware, so theoretically, there shouldn't be any unencrypted data being sent out by the device. Each encrypted shard is useless on its own, with two out of three required to recover the private key. The feature will be a subscription service costing $9.99 per month. Ledger announced a new feature in a thread. Exciting update, they write. Ledger has a new product, Ledger Recovery, that's launching soon. Self-custody is at the core of our offering, and your secret recovery phrase is securely generated on your device. We have no access to it. This will never change. We are uncompromising about security. Ledger Recover is an optional subscription for users who want a backup of their secret recovery phrase. You don't have to use it and can continue managing your recovery phrase yourself if that's why you bought a Ledger. This is not automatically enabled by any firmware updates. This is your choice. If you choose to subscribe, Ledger Recover encrypts a version of your private key and splits it into three fragments using Shamir secret sharing. All of this happens on the secure element chip, so your secret recovery phrase is not at risk. Now, almost immediately, the questions started to pour in. Jan Wustenfield wrote, I thought it would be impossible for a private key to leave the device. If a software update allows fragments to leave the hardware wallet, who guarantees that a malicious software update wouldn't expose your private keys to a hot device? Or am I understanding it wrong? Anonymous account io99t says, yes, it's a backdoor and vulnerability, and it shows the backdoor was always in place to be used. Don Crypto Draper writes, I understand you guys try to innovate, but nobody finds this social recovery safe. Read the room, guys. This is bad. You can't guarantee no hacker or employee can hack into this, and clients will lose their funds. Please pause this. Roll it back. Vanessa Harris tweets, Ledger last year. Your private keys never leave your hardware device. Ledger today. Pay us $9.99 to copy your private keys to our servers. Soon every device will have firmware capable of sending your seed phrase off device. This is just begging to be exploited. Now, Ledger claims that this backup will require user consent to be generated and won't be automatically performed by any firmware update so there isn't any data to leak. That is, of course, what people are nervous about. Ledger claimed that there is no inherent weakness in their security design, stating in a Twitter thread, quote, There's no backdoor to a backup. Self-custody remains and will always be the core principle of Ledger. The ethos of self-custody is that it's your choice. You can choose to manage all your assets yourself, or you can have a backup with Ledger Recovery. It's up to you, and that won't change. Now, a big part of the controversy is focused on how this design feature appears to breach the fundamental promise and value proposition of Ledger's devices. Back in November of last year, Ledger described that under their security model, quote, your private keys never leave the secure element chip, which has never been hacked. The secure element is third-party certified and is the same technology as used in passports and credit cards. A firmware update cannot extract the private keys from the secure element. Of course, this new feature seems to violate that premise, with private keys able to be transmitted to third-party companies, albeit only in an encrypted and sharded format. Independent security researcher Pascal Caversaccio explained that in introducing this feature, Ledger had broken, quote, the number one security rule for hardware wallets. Never ever expose the private key in some way, encrypted, unencrypted, or in any other form. He said that there is now a, quote, communication channel between the device and the outside. Although he also added that his understanding was only based on public information, which, quote, is very short on details. Indeed, these lack of details is one of the issues surrounding the feature. Ledger's code is proprietary rather than open source, so researchers are unable to verify the security design claims put forward by Ledger. The primary concern is that this method of communication from the secure key storage could be hijacked by malicious firmware. In other words, that the functionality being present at all represents a backdoor into the private key storage on the device. 
Another of the really complicated things is just how technologically dense these issues are. Ethereum Foundation researcher Angsar says this ledger backup situation makes me realize I am a bit fuzzy on exactly what properties of my hardware wallet I am actually trusting. The seed not physically being able to leave the SE, or just the firmware not allowing that? What then are my trust assumptions around firmware upgrades? Investor Hasib Qureshi wrote, Every ledger app for any blockchain you run can in principle extract the private key on your device. Of course it can because ledger apps often have to derive a key for another blockchain, which originates from the master secret on the device. There's no way around this. So yes, you're trusting ledger, although you only need to trust them once since you are never forced to upgrade firmware. This was always true. Either you throw away your device every time a new blockchain ships, or you embrace this trust model. Can't be both. The important thing is, every major hardware wallet works this way. That said, ledger did some terrible corporate comms and freaked everyone out. But the more I reflect on this, the main reason was people don't understand how hardware wallets actually work, myself included. That opinion, I will say, was in the minority, however. Another of the big concerns was about the need to trust third-party companies. Seth for Privacy, the head of content at Foundation Devices, which is notably a rival open-source hardware wallet provider, spelled out his concerns that the recovery system could be hijacked during a hypothetical government seizure scenario. The trusted companies are domiciled in the US and the UK, with Ledger being a French company, so his fear was that these governments could coordinate to seize crypto using this feature. Quote, The government can easily come knocking and request all holder IDs information and then seize funds at will. Mudit Gupta, the chief information security officer at Polygon Labs, explained his worries that personal information sharing is not safe in this context. Mudit writes, It's a horrible idea. Don't enable this feature. Oh, but it is secured by ID verification. You know what else is secured by ID verification? Mobile number porting. Do you know how many high-profile SIM-jacking cases happen every day? Too many. Anything secured by ID verification is inherently insecure. Too easy to fake. The problem here is not splitting the key in three parts. That's actually good. The problem here is that the encrypted key parts are sent to three corporations and they can reconstruct your keys. Additionally, they use ID verification to confirm your request for key construction. Identity theft is relatively easy and super common. It's not a secure method at all. Now, it's worth noting that Gupta did reiterate that he has no issue with Ledger's existing services. He simply warned people not to use this new feature. Seth for Privacy, again, also commented on this KYC concern. He writes, All of this KYC data is collected by a company called Onfido, who handled the KYC onboarding. They keep your ID, pictures, video sounds from your selfie video, and a holistic picture of your device and current activity when you upload and verify identity. Onfido has a complete picture of your identity and the fact that you are a Ledger user and thus that you hold a reasonably large amount of cryptocurrency. They also have a holistic picture of the device you use for authorization. So now, not only are you trusting Ledger and quote authorized third parties with your identity data, you're trusting Onfido with that and much more along with the knowledge that you hold and use large amounts of cryptocurrency. Nightmare fuel that easily enables new threats. Now, one additional important piece of context about why people are so ready to not give Ledger the benefit of the doubt is that there was a previous security failing by the company in 2020. In that year, the company suffered a data breach in which 300,000 customers had their names, phone numbers, and physical addresses leaked. Crypto developer Fubar recounted this incident in his scathing indictment of the new feature. If you have a Ledger, your keys are not compromised yet. But if you upgrade to the latest firmware, it'll stick in a code path that can send your private key to third parties. Given Ledger docks their own customers in the past, it's unlikely that they'll keep this info safe. The code path to send private key material over the internet will be on your device whether you opt in or not. Hackers can take advantage of this and software bugs more likely to leak. 
Ledger's business trajectory is one of wanton disregard for customer safety. Switch wallets. Ledger has of course denied that this will be the case, but the issue, again, with proprietary firmware is that no one can know for sure exactly what the functionality is. Still, Ledger pushed back hard on this criticism, asserting that their new feature would not introduce security concerns for existing users. Ian Rogers, Ledger's chief experience officer, said, People have had a lot of fear, which is perhaps unjustified. As a consumer, you have a choice, and you should know who it is that you're trusting. Ledger co-founder Nicholas Baca rejected the notion of a backdoor into the private key storage. It's not a backdoor at all, he said. You stay in control. Nothing will happen without your consent on device. He added that the Ledger team plans to open source its code in the future so users can see how the service is designed. Another point brought up by the Ledger management team during the fallout was that this recovery feature is important for onboarding less technical people into safe self-custody with fail-safe recoveries. They argued that a big lesson learned over the past year is that far too many people who are new to crypto use centralized custodians because they view self-custody as too complicated or too risky. And the primary risk that keeps people up at night is the loss of their recovery phrase. There is a meaningful portion of the industry, they argue, that believes that wallet recovery needs to be more user-friendly and foolproof, with these sorts of features being one avenue to solving that pain point. Nas, the former chief information security officer at A16Z, agrees. On LinkedIn, he wrote, Most people complaining about the new ledger recovery feature evidently lack understanding of wallet security, or security in the real world in general. The solution, if implemented properly, will be a step in the right direction. When I say in the right direction, I imply that it would meet the expectation of 95% of humanity, who already place faith in ID-based recovery for their bank accounts, loans, credits, and more. After all, KYC procedures at all leading financial institutions utilize similar mechanisms. We should not be in a rush to reinvent the wheel until we have more seamless tools, primed and ready for wider adoption. What users need is transparency on what type of institution participates in this partnership, and what efforts are put in place for the utmost security of the encrypted shards, as well as prevention of ID fraud. The entire feature boils down to checks and balances and the implementation of layered defenses. Reducing that down even further, Nas is basically saying that, look, for 95% of people, they are comfortable with an ID-based solution. And ultimately, this was the key point of Ledger CEO Pasquale Gauthier as well. During a Twitter Spaces, he said, You're saying this is not what customers want. Actually, this is what future customers want. This is the way that the next hundreds of millions of people will actually onboard to crypto. I'm sorry, but the piece of paper is a thing of the past, and Ledger Recovery is a thing of the future. There is no compromise to security. Responding to the criticism that the feature opened up new vulnerabilities, Pascal said, quote, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying like, oh, I'm sure this will be hacked in the next 12 months. Okay, let's see. Now, the tone of that Twitter spaces today did not impress people. Hudson Jameson wrote, was just in a chat room with a Ledger co-founder, and I am now 1,000% more concerned that they don't know what they are doing from a marketing comms perspective and from a security and best practices perspective. Scary how they are handling themselves and the lack of seriousness they have. Now, he did later go on to delete that and said, went ahead and deleted a tweet from earlier, but put a screenshot of it below. I was very angry at the responses from some of the Ledger team, but ultimately, they are under a ton of pressure today to provide answers to everyone so statements like the one I made won't help. Ethereum community member Ryan Beckermans tried to come up with a solution. He wrote, Ledger Recover was a huge project. For many people, it might be a good solution. However, the community invested in ledgers based on the firmware having no backdoor of any kind. I have a starter proposal for us to put away the pitchforks. I prefer that you kill Ledger Recover entirely. I prefer that recovery be solved downstream in smart contract wallets. If you don't kill it, I'd prefer that recover be only available on a new dedicated kind of device. 
Unfortunately, we're in a situation where we've all trusted and invested in your company and devices for years, and now you've betrayed us. Betrayed is harsh, but it is what it is. You probably won't kill Ledger Recoverer. We need an immediate path forward. Here's a proposal. One, in perpetuity, offer two parallel version tracks of the firmware, one with Recoverer and one without. Key extraction is not just disabled, but omitted. In Ledger Live, clearly show both firmware upgrade options, default to no recover for existing devices. Two, today, Ledger Recover doesn't support the Nano S device. Never change this. Completely omit Recover from all present and future Nano S firmware. Publicly state it's excluded and not just disabled. Let Nano S be the fully secure Ledger. Ledger, this proposal seems reasonable, given that you've walked back on your primary mandate to airgap private keys. At the moment, I'd join a class action lawsuit against you guys on the basis that you're recommending an insecure firmware update for Nano X. So let's again try to sum up here. We have, of course, a comms issue. And one additional important note that I didn't even mention is that this feature was not intended to be pushed yesterday. Some amount of the feature was contained in their firmware update notes, which someone noticed, forcing them to push the announcement instead of waiting for next Monday as they had originally planned. We have trust issues with Ledger with an expectation that customers feel like has been broken. We've got concerns about new attack vectors introduced through KYC. We have reasonably big questions about the trade-offs for mainstreaming. And we have fundamentally another context to have the discussion about self-sovereignty. Now, as for me, a couple things. One, I certainly don't envy Ledger's communications team right now. This would not be a fun position for anyone to be in. Second, it's entirely possible to me that Ledger's CEO is correct in that most people in the future will want a solution that's different than having a passphrase written down on a piece of paper. I've seen far too many people who are completely uncomfortable with the norms of self-sovereign crypto to not believe that that's at least a little bit true. I think an entirely new generation of experiences will need to be designed and that there will be a spectrum of custody options all the way from complete self-custody on the one end to complete custodial custody on the other end with everything in between being filled out. But three, I also understand and agree with the set of folks who feel like a new attack vector has been introduced that hasn't yet adequately been explained away or reassured. I think in some ways the second part of this discussion, the idea that this might be good for future users, ignores the reality of the relationship that Ledger has with their existing users. I think, for example, this would have felt very different to people if they were introducing a new device that had this possibility from the beginning. Now, maybe they felt like this would introduce another type of critique, of forcing people who wanted this type of service to buy a new device, but by and large, I think that would have been a lot less noisy than what actually happened. Trust, as they say, is built over years and lost in minutes, and we have another example of that right here. I don't at all think it's impossible for Ledger to win trust back for a large number of the users who are upset right now, but it's going to take work, it's going to take clear communication, and it might take more openness in the actual codebase. For now, it's a great reminder of just how important questions of self-sovereignty remain to this community, and that companies operating in this space, even if they're excited about the next set of people coming in, have to understand and respect that right now. Until tomorrow, guys, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.